You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the editor of that fine website. That is Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, the Bears dropped the 21st game in the Matt Eberfus era. But other than that, how are you doing? I can't complain. You know, daylight saving time is now a thing. So it's it's pitch black here in, in the Midwest. And I'm I don't know. I'm I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, I'm not really anti-daylight saving. I just I don't I don't get the point. Like, what's the point of it now? Like, what's the deal here? Do you want to you know, go away forever or do you want to like keep the daylight savings time forever? I think we should have it go away forever. But if it I understand that, you know. Like, what is the reasoning? I know if someone from Iowa, like yourself, we probably have the actual reasoning behind why it's still a thing. I know that's supposed to be is go away. I thought that was like the a law was passed at some point, but then it just never happens. I think it was close to to going away. Okay. And some states can choose to, or regions or states can choose to not exercise. This is not a daylight savings time show, but but I believe that the major argument for uh, going back to standard time is that Children at the bus stop would be standing in the okay. dark if you didn't move okay. it back. Um, but I think that the idea of trying to give us a little bit more daylight uh, later, you know, I, I like quite a bit, actually. I, yes. I wish it would just remain. Um, I, I like having daylight a little later. That's we're, what I want. Not quite awesome. as an agrarian society as we used to be. And so I think that we could, you know, time's a construct. We can start it whenever we want. Um, but I would rather have it be a little later in the day. I also think there's something about circadian rhythms that has to do with something, but we won't get into that. That's not what we're talking about today. This is a football podcast. We are way I off the rails. It. Our pregame was off the rails. Uh, you know, the intro's off the rails. Uh, why don't we talk about football? And Let's do it. Let's we do, it. do that by starting in the trenches with our trench tribute. And I think there's a very clear winner this week. Uh, and so why don't you start? And if we both have the same guy, we both have the same guy. What are you going to do? I, I got a feeling we are going to have the same guy because Tevin Jenkins has been balling it out this whole season. You're wearing the shirts, you know, you can get our shirt there with the, uh, the pancake power from our, our guys at a uh, 500 level. Use our promo code for a uh, 20% off uh, Gridiron 20. That's uh, one of uh, JB's fun designs there. One of the few designs that are actually worthy of a purchase this season but but we had a lot of fun with those guys early this season hopefully we can do a few more uh, t-shirts here but yeah Tevin Jenkins man he just watching live I'm like yep he's having a nice game I know uh Olin Krutz a couple other guys they tweeted out some stuff during the game some clips and went back and watched it again he is that dude and I know he's not up for an extension yet this is his third season but I think in this offseason comes if he stays healthy I think Ryan Poles really has to think about locking this guy up long-term because when he's in the field, he is outstanding. And wouldn't that be funny? Because <laughs> the initial 
clash between Ryan Poles and Tevin Jenkins when he came in. You know, you heard some grumblings that, uh, you know, Poles didn't like anybody on this offensive line, right? Like yeah. he wanted to replace the whole offensive line, just just did not like the way they played. Um, you know, thought they were kind of soft or whatever. You know, you, you heard, I hate by the way, I hate that talking about professional football players and using the term soft because these guys have made it through so much junk that there's no way that any of them are soft. But, yeah. you know, let's just say like, oh, maybe he's a little bit more susceptible to injury and they're, they're you know, they're they're worried about his back issues and all that kind of stuff. But the issue was they they did not see him as a tackle. They wanted him to move in a guard. Jenkins didn't necessarily like that. You know, guards uh, don't make as much money as tackles. I think that's probably part of it, but it's also probably part of what he saw himself as the league, and, and that, that's something to deal with. But he has taken that uh, opportunity, and when he's been on the field, he's been improving all of the time and to this point where he's been fantastic since he's returned from injury. And again, like he had an injury earlier in the year where he strained calf muscles, in, you know, and sort of the the word was that it was over conditioning by, by this coaching staff, right? Like it was yeah. kind of a self-inflicted wound by this coaching staff to, to run these guys through, through the ringer after that joint practice with the Colts. So uh, when, when Jenkins has been on the field, he's been nothing short of fantastic and they've flipped him back and forth between that left and right guard. So, you know, we're seeing him settle in. And what I find interesting Lester is that, you know, Nate Davis is going to come back and play football for this team. At some point you paid him a lot of money. You're going to insert him back in the lineup. They seem to try to find every excuse in the book to keep Cody white here on the field. And Tevin Jenkins is clearly their best lineman right now. So what do you do when Nate, Jen Nate Davis gets back on the field? Yes. We've talked about this a couple of weeks. It's like Cody white here. The center experience has got to be over. You know, I mean, Lucas Patrick's not much better. I mean, I think he, he uh, dribbled one back to Bacon in the game <laughs> on Sunday. But uh, you can't keep putting guys out there at center unless they can get, you know, 95% of the snaps back there. And I think that's where Patrick is right now. I mean, you would like the 100. I mean, that's a spot you should never miss. But the Bears don't have that luxury of a guy that can actually snap the ball consistently. So uh, it's got to be white hair to the bench. You know, he's going to be a, a very highly paid uh, swing guard, swing center, swing interior guy, which is fine. I mean, at this point in his career, if that's who you are, that's who you are. Tevin Jenkins needs to be in a starting lineup. Nate Davis, like you said, got a ton of money. And he was playing good football, too, before he, he got injured. He had the, the high ankle sprain. So I think if you put those two in there, um, you lock Jenkins up. Then the next four or five years, these are your guards. And then you find a center in the offseason. And now your interior is pretty damn good. Darnell Wright's pretty good at right tackle. You know, they still like Braxton Jones, but I think there may be a chance they go a different direction uh, in, in the offseason just because of how the draft may fall. We'll see. I like Braxton Jones a lot at left tackle myself, but we got to see what happens here the rest of the season. But the Bears O-line, they still got to work on their depth, but I think that they have a chance to be uh, pretty good here in the future. I think overall their pass pro looked really good yesterday. And I think that they gave Tyson Bajan quite a bit of time to, to, to sit back there in the pocket. And so you, you've seen them improve over time. You know, I've been tracking the different starting line combinations. They still haven't got back to their original plan, right? Let's say we have seven different combinations over nine games. It's a lot. It's quite the pace that they're on, but 
you're starting to see a little bit of of what you would hope that we would have seen coming into the year. And I think that's particularly showing up in the pass pro. Last year, it seemed like they were quite good at establishing the run. You know, I think Deontay Foreman's, you know, been pretty good behind that line over the last couple of weeks, but you don't necessarily see that identity. But you do like to see that this improvement in the pass pro. So I think overall for a trench tribute, you know, just shouting out the pass pro, um, I think I think is worthwhile here too. Yeah, it's good. I mean, part of that is, of course, Tyson Bajan to get the balls out pretty quick. That's kind of what he does there. He doesn't hold it long. He doesn't try to make big plays. He tries just to, you know, navigate it, play the point guard role, which is fine. I mean, that's who he is at this point in his career on after free agent. So I'm sure we'll touch on him a little more later, though, once we uh, once we move move through the through the format here. Well, let's do that. Let's get to our tweet, uh, sweet tweets portion of the of the program. So I'm going to start us off today. So our friend Brenda is a former uh, guest here and, and uh, reporter from camp uh, a couple of years ago. So she's at Brenda J. Rebel. Uh, she says she's trying to figure out how much Justin needs to ball out so we can keep him, but lose enough so that we get rid of Getsy, but not too much where they draft a new quarterback. And so I, I wanted to highlight this one because I thought it was kind of funny, the mental gymnastic, a little bit of trying to thread the needle here. Um, but a little bit of the mental gymnastics, I think a lot of Bears fans are going through right now because they see the reality of the two draft picks that the Bears have looking like they might be pretty high. They know that there's going to be some good uh, quarterback prospects uh, in this next draft. A lot of people really like Justin Fields. I mean, I'm, I'm one of them. I really like Justin Fields. I really want him to succeed somewhere in this league, um, even if it's not a Navy and Orange. Uh, but I also want Luke Getze to be nowhere near this team. And I, and I want this coaching staff to be gone. Right. And so, you know, is there a scenario out there where you could see the bears moving forward, Justin Fields, but with a new coaching staff? That's a good, uh, a good, a good, good tweet. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. That's definitely the question here. I mean, it's, if Fields balls out and he shows, you know, he makes, he changes everyone's mind, you know, the people that are thinking that they're going to move on, that's going to mean guess he's, probably doing pretty good here so that's a tough one i mean it, it does seem like the coaching staff is is on their last legs but then of course ryan poles has his uh his vote of confidence uh, a couple days ago with with coach eberflus so who knows there it's rare that you're gonna fire a guy after just two years in this is some unprecedented waters here with the record he has here so maybe there's a reason that you can do it I'm like you, man. I, I like Justin Fields. I want him to succeed. I wish it was in Chicago. It just doesn't seem that's going to happen here. And is it par- partly his fault? Of course. Partly the coaching staffs, of course. The, the Luke Getzey scheme, what he wants to do, just doesn't do him any favors. It's like you see him have success doing things a certain way. Don't change him completely. Sprinkle in some of your stuff if that's what you want to do. You could, you know, you could have some success going away from what you want to do because that's what your guys, that's what your talent dictates. And we haven't seen that in a, from a bears coach here in, in a long time. When's the last time the bears had a, had a coach uh, on offense or defense that really molded what they want to do towards their talent. You know I mean? We really haven't seen it. I mean, probably the most successful coach the bears have had here in quite some time was Vic Fangio, but Fangio ran his scheme that bears happen to have guys that could do it for him. But you know, there's really hasn't been a, uh, a coach in Chicago that have kind of done what he had to do because of what he had in the field in, in, in a long time. So that's tough. Brenda, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Justin Fields is going to be gone. I, I think uh, I think if it comes down to Getzy or Fields, I think it may be Getzy if Flu stays. 
this is just a, what a city time to be a Bears fan because we're such there's so much unknown with the coaching staff and with the team. At least last year we knew it's a rebuild. No problem. This year, what is this? This isn't a rebuild, but it looks like we're we're heading towards another something this offseason. So much unknown. If they run Flus and uh, Getsy back, I'm going to uh, put in the paperwork for a sabbatical from SB Nation, just so you know, just just in advance. Gotta, <laughs> I can't blame you. Yeah, I gotta let you know. I don't think I could do it. I really don't think I can watch uh, a train wreck again. I just can't. Like, I mean, we we know that this isn't going anywhere. So yeah. make the right decision, George. Uh, move on, or Kevin, whoever has the power here. Whoever, yeah. Uh, let's. What What about you? What do you have this week? I'm going back to the trenches. Uh, Kevin Fishbane, of course, writes for the Athletic at K Fishbane. He tweets since 2014, the Bears are one and 22 when they don't record a sack. That's via Stathead. The only win was the 2019 season finale. Eight of those games slash losses have come under Matt Eberflus, including yesterday's game against the Saints. This has been a problem. This is why they made the trade for Montez Sweat. You know they need to get a pass rusher here. Um, but you know you're running this system that relies on pressure from the front four. It's not happening. You know I got some more on that later in in my numbers game. But you know Monta Sweat he he was fine yesterday. He didn't do a lot. You know he didn't play as much. Probably he'll play once he gets really involved in in the in the play calling and understands everything he's supposed to do. But I got a, I got a bonus tweet. That's that's Courtney Cronin. Um, ESPN uh, tweets out uh, per Next Gen stats Monta Sweat generated a team high. Four pressures on his 25 pass rushes, uh, 16% pressure rate. That's not bad. You know, I mean, we kind of saw some flashes. Only had two tackles, but this is why you go out and get Monta Sweat, because you need someone to get after the quarterback. You need that front four to do something. And so far through nine games, it hasn't. Well, just a little preview. I filed my uh, story for tomorrow morning, and I basically updated my sacks, uh, uh, you know, chart that I made a couple years ago when I was kind of thinking, Hey, the bears might be on track to break their franchise record. Like they got out to a really hot start a few years ago. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to, to see where that would go end up not breaking that record. But anyway, uh, I updated that chart and the Eberflus era, they almost set a franchise low last year. They had 20 sacks last year, the, the franchise low. And again, this, the sacks statistics started in 1982. So it hasn't been around forever. Uh, but it has been around for a long time. Uh, 82 is uh, a long time. That's incidentally the same year I was born. So uh, it's been it's been a while, right? It's been a minute. The low is 18. Happened in 2003. Just kind of one of those weird years. It was Dick Drons last year, uh, you know, and then, then Lovey came in. Um, but if you look at two-year totals, which, uh, you know, this is Iberflus' second year, He's got 20 last year. He only has 10. His defense only has 10 this year. That's league low. No, no one's really even close. Um, and if you look at two-year total, the 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 low for the Bears in, in a two-year stretch is 52. So to avoid wow. a two-year low, <laughs> uh, the Bears defense can have to go on a bit of a heater. So yeah. Montez Sweat's going to need to unlock some things in the last eight games because they're going to need to get 22 or more sacks uh, to, to be able to surpass that two-year low number. So, you know, it's just been a, a drought and I, I don't think it's just about players, right? I mean, I think these players are 
professional football players last year you could say like ah you know you, you know you had a couple guys that just aren't that good and you know your talent poor okay but this year you're last the dead last in the league by a long shot and you've got guys that have proven in this league that they they can get after the passer i mean yannick Ngakwe is a proven pass rusher that's what he is yep. but yet he's not doing anything and it's just this lack of creativity and this this lack i mean probably the best pressure guy on the team before sweat got here was was edwards right like he seems like he's getting getting involved in in the attack uh a little bit more than anybody else on the line and you just have to wonder you know who's coaching these defensive linemen and and why is there such a lack of creativity why is there such a lack of stunts and in uh games that are twists whatever that are being played up front um it's uh it's sad it is a it is a sad mark and people oh sacks are over they're really not overrated. Not. Like they kill drives. They lead to forced fumbles, right? Pressures lead to bad throws. They lead to quarterbacks, like seeing ghosts and hurrying up their, their process. Like it is really important for a defense. Sacks aren't a perfect teller of, of, you know, how healthy a defense is, but it's a pretty quick and accurate mark of, of where a defense is at. And so the fact that the bears are so bad at it with a defensive minded head coach, and you're not getting the other piece of it with, with offense on the other side, it really speaks to why this team is so bad. You know, I talked earlier about how we haven't seen a coach be creative with things. You know, I do recall Sean Desai as the defensive coordinator. A few times he would scheme up some looks for his guys to get them one-on-one pass blocking um, reps. That's something we haven't seen much here from Coach Flus. You know, he he has brought some pressure the last few weeks a little more, but it hasn't really done much as far as getting the sacks there. The sacks is is the defense's version of the offensive explosive plays. 100%. You, you want those explosive plays on offense, and when you're on defense – it's the negative. You want to, you know, sack him, you know, make him lose, you know, 10 yards on a play. That, that's an outstanding job. And like I said, it's it's not a be-all, end-all. You know, it's it's not a guarantee for success. You know, I know Bears fans, you know, famously heard a, a coach years back say, you know, sacks are overrated. But, you know, it's the pressures. It's the hits. It's getting after him. And the Bears aren't doing any of that stuff. And that comes down to Coach Flus, the defensive-minded head coach. Yeah, I, I mean, Bears fans got in on Chuck Pagano for being uncreative too, and you know, Pagano looks like Picasso uh, co- compared to Matt Eberflus. So, <laughs> all right, let's move on to the stat of the week. Caught up in a numbers game. Uh, I'll start off. Um, I'm basically I'm I'm taking another response to my call for for tweet of the week uh, from our from our guy Buckus Stats. Uh, Quentin is uh, just. He's great. Uh, yes. you know, we love we love Quentin. He's a friend of the show. Um, but but he came away with uh, an interesting stat, and he said the Bears with no takeaways. Uh, you know, so again, Bears defense did not turn the ball over. It, it's related to the sacks issue, this this pressure issue. I, I promise you. Uh, but no takeaways in the Eberflus era, ten times out of twenty six games. That's thirty eight percent. When he was with the Colts, um, those no takeaway games were much fewer, about half of that mark, about 20%. Uh, and then he compared the Lovey years, um, which again, the reason why you do that is because Lovey Smith and, and Eberflus are running you know, somewhat of a similar scheme. Uh, and during, during the Lovey years, only 10% of games, one out of every 10 games that Bears played the defense failed to, to force a turnover. So the Eberflus era is just, dominated by no pressure, no sacks, no turnovers. Uh, and if you want to play good defense, those are the things that you're trying to do. 
they've changed the rules so much to benefit the offense these days. You know, there's not a lot defense can do. So one of the things they can do is take the ball away, get sacks. You know, that's something they can do. And it just doesn't happen. I know there was a lot of talk a few years back about how you can't really coach takeaways, but you look at Lovey Smith, his entire tenure, he preached takeaways. Coach Luce has the hits philosophy. It came from, you know, from uh, Rod Marinelli, who, of course, you know, learned some of the stuff from Levy Smith. You know, this is a philosophy. It's, it's, it's creating pressure. It's, it's attacking. It's an attack mindset, which the Bears haven't had here. I understand you want to have this nice culture and philosophy, the hits philosophy. It, it's nice to say it looks great on a T-shirt if you want to do that, but they're not attacking enough. You know, the same goes for the offense. Luke Getzies doesn't attack. You know, I, I say it all the time. You know, you want to be the hammer, you, but the Bears are the nail in everything. And everything they do, they react. You know, I want to, I want to re- I want to cheer for a team that they're the one pushing the envelope. They're the one making the the defense adjust to them. They're the one making the offense adjust to them. You know, by 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 their pressure packages, by what they're doing on the back end, and and too much of this Bears team is just passive, and it stinks. Dare I say it's very soft. It's soft, right? Well, it is soft coverage, right? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't soft. say the players are soft, but no, you know, they, they definitely do run some soft, uh, some soft schemes. That that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you, you go back to like the you know the Buddy Ryan era, right? Let's Buddy Ryan. You were yeah. you were a, a first a Bears fan. They dictated terms, right? Like they're yes. going to come after you, and if you're going to go down, go down swinging, man. I, I don't want to go down, but death by a thousand cuts. Like no one wants that. Modern day defense is about taking away the ball. It's about you know, forcing those sacks so that you, you steal a possession because it kills the drive. Like that's what it's about. Um, and it's it's not about sitting back and trying to play bend, but don't break. It's just, it's not what it is anymore. These quarterbacks are too good and the offenses, uh, the rules are, are, like you said, bent to the offense too much. So what about you? What's your depressing stat? I'm staying in the sacks realm and my number is 9.6. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe has 67 sacks in his seven years career, which equates to 9.6 sacks per season. Uh, this year he has two in nine games. He, he does lead the Bears tied with uh, TJ Edwards, linebacker who, who they blitz on occasion. Uh, but 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 Ngakwe is now on pace for the worst season of his career, um, which was eight. So he's always been a guy that gets eight to ten sacks. It's kind of what he does. We assume as Bears fans he's going to come in. Again, he's not a, an All Pro type guy, but he's a guy that gets after the quarterback. Hasn't happened. Just two. Maybe with sweat now in, in, in on the field. Uh, what did Ryan Pohl say? Sweat's a multiplier. He makes everyone better around him. Hopefully, because uh, Ngakwe is on, on track for his worst uh, season ever. Now, remember, the team leader last year was Jaquan Brisker. We talked about that earlier. Uh, in an earlier episode, he had four sacks. I had even talked myself out of that. I was like, that's not a real thing. But, like, the, I... I I blocked that out of my mind and I confirmed it again today that yes, actually, in fact, Jaquan Brisker was the, <laughs> the team leader in sacks last year, the rookie safety uh, with, with four. And, and like you said, like here's Edwards with two and he's got the tied for the team lead. I mean, he's almost had to trade for sweat just to get somebody who can, you know, get like four or five sacks down the stretch, you know, just save themselves the embarrassment here. So yeah, I, I you know the the idea of a force multiplier is nice, right? Like you, you add a number one, and it makes everybody else's job easier. You, you'd be able to kick other guys inside, you know, and rush for more advantageous positions. But there still needs to be a little bit of creativity, right? Yeah. Like that that still has to happen. You still can't just sit back and spam the same play, right? I mean, it's it's the the Simpsons meme where you know Bart's playing rock paper scissors, and all he does is just hits rock every time, right? Nothing beats rock. 
ever, nothing's ever can beat rock. I mean, that, that's, that's what this defense feels like all the time is they're super uncreative and changing up their coverages. They're super uncreative up front. Um, and it leads to a very predictable defensive philosophy that the opposing quarterback figures out and, you know, by the end of the first quarter. So it's a, uh, it's not a recipe for success. Okay, we've done enough complaining about the defense. Let's move over to the offense and talk about <laughs> Tyson Bajant with our Bajant uh, report. Uh, Tyson Bajant was 18 of 30 for 220 yards. He threw two touchdowns, both to Cole Komet. He threw three interceptions. He lost a fumble. He was sacked twice, uh, only losing eight yards. Uh, but he carried the ball for eight times for 70 yards. Did his best impression of Justin Fields uh, with that stat line there. Overall, a pretty tough outing for, for the young man. That's uh, four turnovers that he accounted for, uh, five total for the Bears. Uh, DJ Moore got the ball peanut punched out uh, as well. Bears lost turnover battle five to nothing, which is uh, yeah. hard to do. Hard to do that uh, in, the, in the modern NFL. But what did you think of uh, Tyson Bajant, who may or may not get another start on Thursday? I think he's fine. I mean, I think he is the guy that we thought always thought he would be. He's an okay player. He's an undrafted free agent. You know, we weren't putting him in the hall of fame after a, uh, you know, preseason, you know, I, you know, it's, he is who he is. It's exactly how he should be playing for who he is. I, I will say that Getsy did not do him any favors. I mean, he was much better in the first half. He was on the move. We kind of, it's the same thing with fields. We saw him on the move. We saw him running a lot of play action. Second half, he's trying to win from the pocket. Why? I don't understand. You know, it's again, uh, pro pro football focus charted him out. He was seven for seven, 110 yards, two touchdowns, no picks on play action passes, you know, and, and you hear a lot. Oh, it's not sustainable. Bullshit. It's, it is sustainable. You do it until they stop you. Right. It's the same thing with the Justin Fields style offense. Oh, you can't just roll them out every play. Why? Why not? You know, and, and uh, like the whole thing with it's not sustainable, I'm guilty of it too. There's sometimes, okay, you can't just keep it. Well, you know what? If nothing else is working, you got to do what works. You know, again, make them stop you. And I'm not saying run a, a rollout play every single play, but don't just completely stop and go, okay, now now we're a drop back passing team the whole second half. That's that's ridiculous. And that's basically what Gutsy did. I don't get him, man. I, I really don't. I haven't understood him during Justin Fields uh, starts. I mean, he comes out and it's like, I want to make him do it my way. Like, it just, there just feels like a stubbornness with, with this guy. And there's been a lot of talk about going back. Well, you know, Getsy, you know, he was Aaron Rodgers coach. How much coaching do you think that Luke Getsy yeah. was doing with Aaron Rodgers, known, like, you know, stubborn personality? And, you know, and he was his quarterback coach. He wasn't even a coordinator, right? So we go back to like, how wise was this to bring in this guy to to work with your young quarterback? I, I just don't, I don't see it, right? So this is this whole idea of like bringing him back or maybe even elevating him to to be the head coach uh, if you, if you fire Flus. Like I'm I'm so out on anything Luke Getzey related, but there's more evidence that you you should that you can see weekly with with what he does by shifting away with what works seven for seven like he's moving the ball like you can spam that as much as you want that the league yeah. isn't going to fine you luke getsy if you call too many play action fakes right it, it, i mean it's just it's absurd 
that this guy is allowed to continue to do this. Like this can't go on. <laughs> this, this can't continue. You know, you, you hear a lot of stuff about how field you want to cut the field in half, make the game easier for him. Why don't you do the same thing for your undrafted free agent rookie? I understand he can process pretty quick. That's just fine. But if you're processing pretty quick and you're making the wrong reads and you're throwing late and you're getting picked off, you know, three times, you know, maybe make the game easier for him too. maybe run the ball more, help your young rookie quarterback out by running the ball, play action, get him out of the pocket. I mean, he, he's he's not the athlete of Justin Fields, but he's a pretty good athlete. You know, I mean, I'm not sure what his 40 time was, but you know, I mean, he's not like some plotting guy that wants to just sit in the pocket all day. He's a good athlete. He's young. He showed it in this game. He, he, he can get on the move. He can make he's accurate on the move. So get him out of the pocket. Do stuff that works, but, you know, not Luke Getze. He wants to just do things his way, and it's it's frustrating. And Bajan had a little creativity on some of those, right? Like yeah. he got out, he puts pressure on some defenders. That On that fourth down, that little spin out, right? And that number six on, on the Saints, like, kind of lost his mind and just sort of, like, drifted back into coverage. And so he's like, okay, I'll, I'll take the first, right? Like, that, do that. Put, put defenders in conflict. Let him kind of be creative and make plays. He Again, I want to reemphasize, he does not have the arm to make all of the throws, okay? And and can we address this velocity thing now? I just want to, like, <laughs> for the record, put you on blast here that okay. you tweeted out that his velocity numbers from the combine, which I had never heard of before. Yeah. I had never heard that that was even a drill at the combine. And I feel like it has empowered people to say that he has a really – fast football coming out of his out of his hand and i just don't know what people are seeing uh when they're watching him throw the ball and and i think at least those second two picks the second and third pick should, should tell you that you know the ball's not flying out of his hand he, he's this is not josh allen this is not justin fields with you know for for that matter um this is a guy that has a a limited arm strength um and that means that all of the throws are not there and he has to be on time um, with with everything that he does. That's the key. He has to be on time. Tyson Bajan has a strong enough arm to be an NFL quarterback. He does. He doesn't have Josh Allen's arm. He doesn't have Justin Fields' arm. He has a strong enough arm to be an NFL quarterback when things are going good for him, when he's on time. We saw him late on a couple throws. And if you have a really, really strong arm and you're late, sometimes you can get away with that. You can get away with it. Bajan can't do it. So, so the thing with the, I knew you're bringing this up. The thing with the with the with the the miles per hour at the combine, I just tweeted it out there because he doesn't have a bad arm. He just has his arms fine. But it's kind of like the forty time. If you run a forty time at the underwear Olympics and you're an outstanding athlete and you show this, your broad jumping is all outstanding. That doesn't always translate to the football field when you have pads on. Same kind of thing. It's it's a drill. Um, they, they time it. I'm not even sure when they do it. I think they may do it during their other, like when they're doing their normal throwing, they just may have a guy there with a radar gun doing left throw, right throw. That's all it is. I don't he know. Is I've never heard of it. He is comparable to other NFL quarterbacks. You know, I think he may, be, he may have even been charted comparable to Mahomes, which is what some Bears fans saw. They're like, oh, it's the same strength. No, it's not the same strength. It's it's different than when you're playing. Like there, he has good touch on his throws. He just can't zip it in there and make all the all the plays that you want to see him make. But that's that that's that's fine. You can survive as an NFL quarterback if you're on time, if you're smart with the football, if you if you are really 
understanding your offense fully. He's an undrafted rookie. He'll be, be if he sticks in around in the league, and I think he will. He'll be a much better quarterback in five or six years than he is now. Yep. That's just what happens, you know. And 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 he may be a starting quarterback down the road for a team somewhere. It's possible, you know. The better you get, he could improve his arm strength. It's not likely he'll improve it a little bit. I saw someone on social media say, "Oh, that's the easiest thing for a quarterback to do is work on your arm strength." I'm like, "What? No, it's not. It's 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 like a pitcher. You can't just be a a guy that all of a sudden you know comes out of college. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw 99 now." You know, you can't he's already 23 years old, right? I mean, yeah. you don't just like add that yeah. you know, necessarily to, to your game. It's not like Chad Pennington became, you know, the uh, Josh Allen by the end of his career, right? I mean, no. this thing, they generally, and there's you a curve are, where it decreases yeah. and then they're out, right? Like that's yeah. that's part of it too. But yeah, uh, you know, like like you said, all of those things are true. I just want to like kind of kill this idea that's <laughs> out there that, that, and Lester likes to do this. He just likes to kind of feed you know, some red meat out there. Just I just throw a for information, throw purposes, a number, right? Yeah. That's it. That's like, it's it a is. total innocent, you know, and all that. But, uh, you know, I just want to like kind of kill that because I don't know what you guys are seeing. If, if you're believing that that's everybody has the same arm strength, just blowing my mind. Okay. Quick break. <laughs> uh, on the other side of this, we will talk everybody's favorite segment, the three bears stick with us. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Lester, hot bowl of porridge, cold bowl of porridge, and just right. Where are you going with your hot this week? I got to go to linebacker. I got to go TJ Edwards. Okay. Because he had because he had 15 tackles, which is the third most in his career. I think he had 17 earlier this season against the Chiefs. So, again, a tackling machine, 15 tackles, one tackle for loss. He had one quarterback hit. He had one pass defense on, on the game. And, and so far in nine games this year, He's at an even hundred tackles, so he he's he's close to the uh, you know the record. I'm not sure what it is. There's been some talk. Who is it? Who has the actual record? Tackles are not really an official stat up to a certain point. So, but but he's gonna whatever he ends up, if he stays healthy. He's gonna be up near the top. He'll be on the Mount Rushmore of of season tackles guys for sure. Yeah, wrote that article up a few weeks ago. You know, is it Dante Jones? Where that's unofficial statistic. Uh, but you see the statistics because he played longer, but like a guy like Mike Singletary, he retired before those became an official statistics. So you have no idea. You don't know about Buckus, although that was back in the 14 game era, blah, blah, blah. Right. So, um, essentially is it Dante Jones? Is it Brian Erlacher? Uh, or is it Roquan Smith, depending on if you care about solo tackles, uh, or, you know, the official stat. But Edwards might might challenge that, so so that's exciting stuff. I like records. Um, we will track that as we we move forward because that's fun, and that's actually a fun record as opposed to yeah. 
you know, least sacks uh, <laughs> as a franchise, right? Like that's not that fun to track, but you know, again, I'm always interested, even, even the bad ones I like. Uh, for me, I, I thought there were a couple options in the passing game. Um, you know, we, we could talk Cole Komet, right? You know, the two touchdown catches, I think those are worth, uh, you know, talking about. But I wanted to say Darnell Mooney. Uh, nice. He kind of disappeared a little bit uh, this year. He's, he's really uh, faded after after DJ Moore got here. Uh, but I, I thought he had a really nice game. Not that I don't expect him to be able to have nice games, but I really liked that uh, catch that, I mean, he caught it what, three yards uh, beyond the line of scrimmage, you know, had a, you know, ran for basically a first down, you know, three defenders are flowing towards him and he just sort of does a little yoop and goes back into the middle of the field and, and gets a whole, whole bunch more yardage. Um, I thought that was a really slick play and, and really great to see Mooney contribute in that way. Uh, overall had a really nice game. And, and I think that, you know, we, you know, we forget a little bit that Mooney was, really this passing offense a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, he struggled last year a bit and then got injured. And then of course you have DJ Moore kind of coming in and, and taking that alpha role away. Uh, but, but Darnell Mooney's a, a good football player and, and he's in a, he's in his contract year here. And so um, wanted to shout him out and, you know, what do you, what do you think about Mooney's future in Chicago? Yeah, I thought you were going to go there. It's uh, at this point, it's hard to say because, you know, he, he's in his contract year. You know, who are you going to pay? Jalen Johnson's in a contract year. You know, there's some other stuff. You know, you, you can't just, uh, you got to look at the draft. You, you're paying DJ Moore a ton of money. Um, where are you going to go there? I, I, I like Mooney. I want him to stick around, but this was his best game of the season. And you're looking at it, you know, five catches, 82 yards. You know, that's not really a, a you know, an eye popping number. But what he did on the field was, was pretty good. He kind of showed his his his, his elusiveness. Um, he was smart with the ball in his hands. He didn't have any turnovers, um, which DJ Moore had a turnover, a peanut punch. But nice game from him. This is his best game he's had now in, in a while because he like said he struggled last year too. I'm not sure what they do with him. I mean, I, I think he should come back. I think there may have been a contract offer at some point. Usually when you have a guy in your contract year, there is some talks of an extension. It never happened. Um, they weren't public about it. He was coming off an injury. Maybe they want to wait, wait and see what happens here. But at this point, you can't give him too much money. But you know, he's this is this could be it. I mean, at at this position, the way the league is, this is his one chance to cash in, and I don't think he's going to do it because the numbers aren't there. You know, it, it's interesting because I think before the year, um, you would have said, "Well, this guy is tied at the hip." to Justin Fields. It's Justin Fields guy. And so, you know, you're even, you're going to sign him just to keep Justin Fields happy, right? Yeah. Like that, that's kind of how it felt. It's almost like a Randall Cobb situation. Even if, even if we thought you know, just make sure that he's healthy, that was kind of the, the refrain that I heard multiple times from people. Let's make sure that he's returned from injury, make sure he's healthy and then, and then lock him up. Right. Yep. And then with all the questions around fields, now it's like, ah, geez, I don't, it doesn't, that doesn't matter anymore. Like, you know, if, if Justin Fields is going to be here, then, you know, you don't need to keep Darnell Mooney to appease Justin Fields. So maybe we don't need to keep him. And, and, and he, he has just kind of been lost this year. And I, and I really like Darnell Mo Mooney, the player. So I wanted to make sure we, we got a chance to talk about him. Hopefully he, uh, hopefully he continues that hot streak and, and uh, you know, we're talking about an extension for sure, right? Like I'm still prioritizing Jalen Johnson. I was prioritizing him before the year. You know, if it was up to me, uh, I still think he's the first in line right now, but you know, we'll see if Mooney works his way back into that conversation. 
Uh, let's flip it around and let's talk about Cold Bowl. Plenty of places to go and a loss, but uh, where are you heading with this one? Yeah, I'm going to kind of take it a different direction. I'm going to go more uh, towards the the Chicago Bears injury designation list because they have just uh, they have three guys they they bring them back from IR today, so that's all oh. eight. You're only, you're only allowed eight, right? Yeah. Two of the Bears designations this season were spent on Doug Kramer, who is uh, now a Cardinal, and Khalid Kareem, who was cut and brought back to the practice squad. So two of your eight designations, the Chicago Bears in their in their roster building management 101, I think that they all took a, a course here. They decided that two of those spots were best to be used on two guys that are no longer on the 53-man roster. And that's that's Poles, that's Eberflus, that's the whole process here. Just just terrible process. And that's a that's an ongoing theme with some of the Ryan Poles blunders is just process. And this is a bad one, you know. Khalid Kareem, you really had to put him on IR. I mean, he, he was cut in the season. Yeah, you got him on waivers, but this, who's this? Come on. This guy is not a guy that you're that's a, a, a building block of your team. Cut him. Bring him back if you can. And Dominic Robinson, why is he on this roster? You could have cut him, brought him back. Valus Jones Jr. Okay, you could have cut him and brought him back later. There's just so many guys in this roster. You're like, why are you saving these valuable designations for guys that stink i'm sorry all right i want to i want to set the table real quick <laughs> so what lester's talking about is yes a, a player's injured but he's not out for the year so like uh if, if a guy like say tears his acl you put him on ir injured reserve right yeah. he's out, out for the year recently the league has added this designation to you you can put a guy on injured reserve with a designation to return back in the day you didn't have that which is like it's kind of amazing to, to to recall that not that long ago the league did not have as much roster flexibility the practice squads were were much smaller uh and and, and you had to really manage your roster in a very different way and if you like the guy was going to be out for a few you know a decent amount of time you're like uh eh, you know i guess we'll just shelve him put him on ir and we're going to bring somebody else in you know to fill that roster spot so there's a lot more flexibility now um, and then they, when they created this IR with the designation to return, uh, I think it was one, like the first year, like you could, yeah. you could do one, maybe they kicked it up to three and something. Now it's eight. So there, there are a lot more of these to use, but players are injured pretty regularly and, and you're using this as a tool, but they're not, you know, free giveaways. Like they, they are, they still do have a strategy with them. And when you use that on a player, that's kind of bottom of the roster to begin with, you may be taking that opportunity away from, from using it on, on a player that you definitely want to protect. So if you use them up all real quick, then you're in a situation where if somebody goes down, you may be put in a hard spot to have to put that player on IR for the rest of the year or put yourself at a disadvantage and, and have to like uh, you know play with fewer players um, on, that are active on roster day or even cut somebody that you really don't want to. But uh, yeah, using it on players that you end up just cutting you know because because you don't need them uh, i don't care if they got claimed or not like that doesn't nothing to me um these, these are bottom of the roster churn guys anyway uh yeah is is poor management and, and there have been some procedural issues with with ryan pole's tenure here so far so i like that one outside the box i did not expect you to go there i know that we have discussed that but i didn't think that was a cold bowl so i guess you're serving it to polls yeah, let's uh, go to polls probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just the point of it. You know, why are we keeping roster spots, you know, for these, like a, a guy like Nate Davis, high ankle sprain, you probably put a, would have put him on IR, you know, right. let, shut him down for a while, which is, I mean, he's still shut down, 
Right. But you could have brought a guy up. I just don't see the point of, you know, Doug Kramer. I know there's a lot of high hopes for him in Chicago because he's a guy from Hinsdale Central. He went to Illinois. Oh, my God. He's a local kid. You know, uh, at the end of the day, nobody's signed, running out to get him. And if you do go out and get him, you weren't playing him anyway. You know, he was buried. He was your fourth center because you went out and signed the guy. Okay. Or, or you traded for Doug. For, uh, uh, Dan Feeney. Dan Feeney. I can't even think of the guy's name because he's such he's been so invisible. This is not your plan. You know, if he was part of your plan, okay, fine. But Khalid Kareem, come on. And then I know it was done before the Montez Sweat trade, but come on, what is the point here? You know. Uh all right. So mine is this the, this CBS crew that we all had to. Oh, take I hate over. it. <laughs> I they made so many mistakes, and I don't want to be mean. To, to Matt Ryan, you know, this, 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 they, they're, they're what the eighth string, uh, CBS crew. They're just learning. They're trying. I get it. They're trying their best. And they're an AFC network that is covering two NFC teams. So it's particularly difficult because they haven't called any, either a saints game or a bears game this year. I'm trying to give them at least some benefit of the doubt, but there are times where I, I, I swear that one time they said Tyreek Stevenson, for the was a Saints player, right? Like he's a Tyreek Stevenson breaks up that ball to DJ Moore, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think Ooh, so, yeah. right? Unless it's just this random uh, coincidence that they have a Tyreek Stevenson too. Uh, but they would get the and and poor Matt Ryan and and, and who would the other the other color guy was, but you know Taysom Hill and Tyson Bajent, boy, they had trouble with that, right? Like they they were <laughs> they were calling Taysom Bajent, you know, all afternoon. But you know that's that's the job. Right. Like that's, that's the job. You learn these players names. And, and if you don't, if you're not confident in the name, I mean, there have been plenty of times where we've been talking about people and I am not totally confident on the name. And I just will then say, you know, the corner, right. Number six for like I did earlier this episode, right. Like you can, you can do that. Right. Um, and, and anyway, it was just, it was really distracting for me you know, the camera angles are bad, which we've talked about before, but the, uh, you know, just, just not being prepared and it it's, I'm an auditory learner. So it, it really takes me out when you can't even pronounce players, right. Or you've got the team switched. It's just weird. Well, you said go with the last name. You don't have to say a guy's first name, but the craziest thing is because Tyson Bajan was like a huge NFL story. I mean, this is like, you know, it was a huge part of the NBC Sunday night game, you know, Everyone knows what's going on here, and they're still getting his name wrong, which I get it. It's an NFC team. You're not really thinking about them too much. Let just go with the last name. You know, you don't have to uh, spend some time trying to figure out the whole thing. And I think they got uh, Foreman's name wrong several times. I think he was Devonte at some point for most yeah, of the game, definitely. and it's like, you know, uh, the, the the camera angles we've discussed quite a bit. The camera angles didn't bother me this time. I think partly because the Bears just suck so bad. I'm almost like. I really don't want to watch this replay anyway, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, that's a good one. CBS crew. I, I had a feeling one of us were going to talk about them this, this week. I'm glad it was you. Yeah. Maybe the camera angle was a little better because of the, the, the Superdome. I don't know. Cause it wasn't quite ah, okay. that like up, up field, up the offense uh, angle. It was a little bit more towards the defense this week, but anyway, I digress. Uh, how about just right? What do you got for just right bull? I had two. I'm going to go with my first guy here, and, and I got to go back to Tevin Jenkins. You know, he is just he is the guy that that when the Bears drafted him, we thought he's going to be a a fixture on the O line. We thought it'd be a tackle, but now obviously it's going to be going to be a guard. 
this is who he is. He is just a, a mauler in the run game. He is a, a good in pass protection. You know, he's still learning some of the, the, the nuance of guard, you know, some of the stuff with twists and stuff. He still kind of struggles a bit here and there, but but he can win with just his pure raw physicality. And if you're going to have that at guard, that is outstanding. So Tevin Jenkins, he is who we thought he was. Let's get him signed this offseason. Yep. Building block. You got to love to see it. And, you know, I, I you got Darnell right, right? I mean, he's looking good. I mean, there's some there's some things to get excited about this Bears offensive line. Got to make at least one more investment, if not uh, two, but definitely one more investment in center. And, and I think you could have something here for the future. Uh, for me, I'm going to go Jack Sanborn. So it gets an opportunity to make a start, uh, makes plays, and it really brings into question, <laughs> you knew what you had. You're the guy that signed him to an undrafted free agent contract last year. You saw what he did down the stretch. Wasn't that enough of an audition to maybe just bring this guy back and allow him to start? I'm, I'm not questioning bringing in Edwards because, you know, he, he's played pretty good football next to, uh, you know, whoever has been there. But again, like Jack Sanborn steps in and I'm not sure you saw much of a dip in, in productivity to what we, we see with Jermaine Edmonds. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I, I like Sanborn. I think he, uh, again, you have to wonder what, what are they evaluating? You know, they really saw him play last year. They saw him in, in camp and preseason. They saw him during this regular season. Yes. He went on IR. Maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, they, maybe they were a little nervous about the injury. Um, you know, they value the linebacker spot more than some other staffs will because of the type of scheme they run. So they had to get their mic and their will locked up. They paid about the same money that would have cost Roquan. So maybe they're thinking, hey, it's a two-for-one deal. This is a, a way to go. But but Sanborn's in there. He, he's he's able to play at, at a pretty high level. You know, he's not the athlete that Edmonds is, um, clearly. But he's productive, you know. So maybe that money could have spent been spent on a center. Or, or somewhere else on this roster where you have a glaring hole. And if you're the defensive guy, you're the defensive coach, this is your thing. You're brought in here because you're a defensive guru. That's why you got the job. Maybe let's allocate some funds on offense and let you kind of scheme up and coach up the guys on defense. Because we kind of saw this, you know, where the Bears spent too much money on defense, you know, for a while there. We're like, what are they doing here? They got to put some money in the offense. And now here they are again, same kind of thing. And you would think if you got a guy that, knows defense you probably should have recognized Sanborn as the guy they kind of you know at least be a stopgap guy before they figured it out yeah that that is such a good point the the idea that you bring in a defensive-minded head coach which I have all the problems with in the world because of where you were at with your roster build and with with Justin Fields and the young quarterback but if you do that to me, you're saying like, we're going to bring this guy in because we believe in his ability to get more out of less. And this allows us to invest in the offense and we can get premium players over there. And we're going to let our head coach really go to work and, and, and get good production out of, you know, cause he knows how to get production out of lower drafted guys, or he knows how to pluck guys from the undrafted free agent, or he knows the, you know, the, the players that are on the scrap heap and, and free agency, and he's going to bring these guys in and he's going to get something out of them. All, all I hear from, from people that are defending this guy, which are fewer and fewer every week, but is well, he doesn't have all of the players that he needs. You know, th this scheme needs a three technique and it needs an extent, you know, it needs this, it needs that. It's like, I'm not interested in that dude. 
like yeah, yeah. oh you need a you need an all pro at every level and you need you know you need pro bowlers uh, at every level uh next to those all pros for this thing to work i, I don't have, we don't have the resources for that no get out of here like I, th- i'm not interested in that i want someone who can be creative and, and solve problems with with what you got right um so i think that's a really excellent point what's the old saying you know you either can make excuse or, or get results you know and it seems like fluce is a lot of excuses here kyler gordon jaquan brisker loose excuse there's something there <laughs> Oh, I there like you go. a new shirt. We've talked to our guys to yeah. get a new shirt. Bruce's excuses, uh, a new segment where we just talk about how it's not his fault <laughs> because he just puts blame on other people. You know, the exit, oh, the play was there, the execution. That That is actually something that happens at all of his press conference. Bruce's excuse. excuses. You, you, you saw it coined here first, uh, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Well done. I like it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's, it's nice that we found a, a new, a new segment, but man, I wish it wasn't because you know, there's, I mean, there's, there's so much they put into the defense draft picks, you know, um, Walker yeah. and Gakaway, you know, now Montez sweat, you know, and yeah. you know, it's like, really, you know, all these draft picks are being spent on, like you said, on fluce and where are the results? I want, I want results, you know, and then we're not getting it. Well, you've already I mean, four second round picks and then next year's second round pick was sweat, right? So, I mean, that you know, you've spent five oh, second round picks on, on defensive players, right? I think that's right. Yeah, but that, that math checks out if you ask me. It checks out. All right. Out. Uh, <laughs> why don't we get out of here? We'll, we'll stick around for the, the YouTube crowd and, and any questions for, the, for those hardy individuals that are joining us on a, on a Monday night uh, after the daylight savings time disappears. It's dark out. Why not? Why not come hang with us uh, over on Second City Gridiron YouTube? You guys that are listening to this on the podcast, give us a try sometime. Six o'clock every Monday, Central Time. Uh, but before we get out of here, anything you want to talk about? No, not really. It's the Bears. No. It is. <laughs> Let's just get the hell out of here. Move on to the YouTubers because there's a loyal group in there that want to want to talk some Bears. All right, we'll do that. Thanks, everybody, for joining us and for listening uh, wherever you're getting your podcasts at. Till next time, bear down.